The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. Today we begin the third series of the show following the exploits of the first season of the time travel serialized anthology Quantum Leap, which ran on NBC from 1989 to 1993. Joining me for this journey is senior editor of sciencefiction.com and a jack of all sorts of trades, Tony Schaub. Welcome, Tony. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and talking all things old space. Old space, yes. Welcome <laughs> aboard. I had, you know, you were mind right from the beginning. So you're making, you're debuting on something different than I had planned for you and maybe earlier, but I'm very excited nonetheless. And it's time. Yeah. Tell people about kind of all the things you do and like why I would bring you to Old Space Show, like <laughs> sciencefiction.com, you're a performer, you got, you got a pretty impressive resume to bring to the table. Well, thanks. Well, we're, it's, been a, it's been an exciting first 42 years of life. So, uh, you know, where, <laughs> where to begin, I guess. So, yeah, I'm the, uh, uh, I'm currently the managing editor, like you said, of, of sciencefiction.com. I've been, I've been writing for that site for about five years now. So I started some freelance writing about 12 years ago. I kind of got my quote unquote break in in writing when I made the jump from uh, I was doing a lot of fiction writing, you know, short stories, having some fun with that. But then I just randomly uh, took a stab at nonfiction and and found a very good niche audience when I created the Gore Score, which is a review guide to all things zombie. Apparently, there's a lot of zombie fans out there that really hear detailed breakdowns of zombie movies and TV shows and books and things like that. So, so I created the website, thegorescore.com, and then the corresponding books. There are two volumes, Gore Score 1 and 2. And the Gore Score Volume 1 has been an eight-time number one bestseller on Amazon's Kindle pop culture chart. So I'm I'm blessed to, to have done some fun stuff with that. And then, of course, in addition to that, I've been acting all my life, do a lot of stage shows. Uh, I've actually written a couple of stage shows. I wrote a murder mystery show that made its premiere here in Indianapolis in 2017. It was called Doctor Whom and the Trek Wars. So, <laughs> yeah, it there was you a go. Culture, you know, yeah. <laughs> your, cred- your credentials are in check. <laughs> So yeah, a little a little bit of everything. I've been a professional MC and DJ for about 22 years now. I've done hundreds and hundreds of weddings. I've done work with the with the uh, MTV and the NBA and the NFL and just all sorts of stuff. So it's been a yeah, it's been a it's been a long strange trip. But yeah, just like the you know whatever I do, I like to have fun with it and kind of dive in full throttle. And that's led me uh, everything and everything has led me to this moment right here, Brandon. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> yes, it's all here. This is it. This is the apex. <laughs> Boom. Old old space show podcast. I'm peeking. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. And you and I, we we met like I believe it was probably PopCon. And I know my listeners probably get sick of hearing about stuff with PopCon, but it's a very special place where lots of magic can happen. So that's You're absolutely right. Yeah. I love the I love the PopCon. I've been a moderator for them, their main stage MC. At one point, I was one of their founding assistant director members. You know, I've, I've been to every single one, as I think you may have have as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, ever-changing I miss, show. 
I missed the first one. First, first gotcha. or second one? I didn't. Uh, my first one was twenty. 15 or 2016 i can't i can't remember but okay. i've become more involved there and, and it's fun stuff i i really enjoy oh, it's yeah. a very i do i've done plenty of conventions in my life but that one has the most uh i don't know familial feeling aspect to it of people come to hang with their friends and then do all the stuff then just like oh let's go stand in line at so-and-so's table absolutely like it, yeah yeah i'm right there with you yep yeah a lot of conventions have that kind of feel of like a a glorified swap meet if you will you know Mm -hmm. buy sell you know get your get your picture taken and get shuffled through the line and popcorn is definitely not that so yeah it's definitely a a hangout of friends and family kind of place where you can have a little bit more fun and entertainment value than 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 just the average show so i'm right there with you and it doesn't usually smell till day three there so there you go that convention smell doesn't set in till then every convention has it i'm not picking on popcorn (laughs) they all have it so but boy day three watch out watch out day three (laughs) and if you're yeah your legs can't move anymore and that smell there's showers everywhere i don't know what happens but uh no time no time (laughs) so i brought you on with quantum leap here which is one of my personal favorite shows of all time. I know Doctor Who is one of my favorite shows of all time. I mean, the Quantum Leap, personal shows of all time. But you are, you're familiar with it, but I don't think you're like as like esteemed in Quantum Leap. Yeah, it's what, you know, it's one of those shows that obviously I, you know, I, I watched when I was growing up. And in mm-hmm. fact, uh, you know, uh, as we kind of start to talk about the show, you know, it, it actually shocked me when I, when I went back to revisit it, as we started talking about, you know, doing this show about Quantum mm-hmm. Leap. In, in, in my mind, Quantum Leap, to me, I attach it mentally with the 70s and 80s sci-fi shows, you know, like you've got your mm-hmm. Buck Rogers, your Battlestar Galactica. I just, for, for whatever reason, mentally, Quantum Leap was lumped in there for me. And then I went back and I'm like, oh, man, this was 89 to 90. This is a 90s yeah. show. This is this is more like Sequest and Sliders. But to me, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like, a, right. you know, the, the, the era previously. So, um, so, yeah, it's definitely, it's got a very unique place in that in that sci-fi lore for sure. Yeah, definitely. I watched it growing up. I wasn't like, I was, so in 1989, I was seven when this thing premiered. I don't think I saw the premiere when I grew up, but I just kind of caught it and then just kept catching it whenever I could. It did move around schedule-wise throughout its history, but I would try to keep up with it best I could for when, you know, we had VCRs and, you know, timer setting to for VCRs never was reliable. So (laughs) absolutely, I would just catch it was on. I loved, I loved the show. It's one of my favorite themes of all time. I love the, of the show watching it all the way through like i've done it probably i can confidently say one full time and that's when they came out on dvd i bought them from the start and so i could have a season and then another season and so it wasn't like i was cramming five seasons in a row yeah it definitely has a special place in my heart scott bacula has a pass for life (laughs) pre-doing trek he has this pass for life on for me and it's you know it's just a it's a good show where it tricks you into being super sci-fi when it's really kind of historical drama character stuff like i don't think a lot of hardcore genre nuts would attract to the show if it didn't have the little time travel aspect to it but that's what it's going for because donald belisario pete belisario who he made Battlestar Galactica, NCIS, sure. Magnum PI, Jag, Airwolf. He wanted to make an anthology series, but networks weren't really buying into them, and he found a way to trick them into greenlighting one. <laughs> and I, I think it's probably they were all scared because of amazing stories. Um, yep. What happened with that? And he got this one through. And it was a mid-season replacement, so there wasn't confidence in it to start. 
but that's why we only have eight, nine episodes in this first season. But it wound up, I through its history, it became an awards darling, too. We had a lot of nominations for Emmys. Bakula was nominated like three times, Dean Stockwell, a couple, Golden Globes, a lot of technical awards with it. Right. And it just, its final season, like between season four and five, some ratings dip happened, and it just didn't overcome them, though they would kill for these ratings today. Where oh, it was absolutely. Canceled, but where it kind of, well, it kind of had the... It kind of had the, the Doctor Who thing where was it, we don't know if we're canceling it or not yet. And then too late, they kind of had the endings up. But that's down the road in Quantum Leap. We're on the first season, <laughs> uh, the mid-season. So uh, we will go ahead and start talking about episode one, Genesis, or for some people, Genesis part one and Genesis part two. In the New Mexico desert, Al Calavici picks up a stranded female on the side of the road. When blue flashes appear in the sky, Al is frantically alerted by a man called Gushi that Sam has stepped into the accelerator and is leaping. Al freaks as the project isn't ready. Sam then disappears in the accelerator. He wakes in 1956 with memory loss. He is living on an airbase with pregnant wife Peggy and son named Mikey. He's called Tom, but the reflection in the mirror is unfamiliar. Tom is actually Tom Stratton, an Air Force test pilot flying a highly dangerous X-2s. Sam begins seeing Al places and discovers he is a neurological hologram from Sam's presence. Sam has switched places in time with Tom Stratton, but people in Tom's time see him as Tom. Al cannot reveal to Sam details about himself. He must remember them on his own. Through conversations, Ziggy, a computer that helps with the leaping program, figures out possibilities of how to get Sam and Tom to return. They figure out that the X-2 test must break Mach 3, which Al, a veteran pilot, says he can help him do once he's in the air and then Sam can eject once he does that. Their plan goes off just as they'd hope, but Sam doesn't leap. Tom's wife goes into early labor and the doctors have no idea how to handle it, but Sam's doctorial memories return and he instructs them how to stop the labor. With the baby born, Sam leaps out. But he doesn't return home. Instead, the year 1968 in the body of a washed up minor league baseball player. Disgruntled with his placement, Sam retreats to the locker room where he is met by Al who says he and Ziggy aren't sure why he didn't leap home. Sam's actions save the lives of Tom Stratton and his stillborn daughter, Samantha. Al shares with Sam that he holds six doctorates and one is indeed medicine and was a prodigy that Quantum Leap was his own project and he's the only person who could figure out how to get him home. He lets Sam know his last name is Beckett. Sam calls his father and has a heartfelt conversation with him. All this during a baseball game, mind you, in the bottom of the ninth. Under the guise, he is a different relative. Motivated, Sam goes to win the baseball game and winds up managing to get a game-winning trip around the bases on a botched strikeout. He then leaps out and into a pipe-smoking professor's classroom. This is directed by David Hemmings. Yes, that David Hemmings of Antonioni's Blow Up, Dario Argento's Deep Red, Barbarella, plenty more. Written by Donald P. Belisario himself, stars Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. Guest stars Jennifer Runyon, who you might remember from Ghostbusters or Up the Creek. I like to remember To All a Good Night, a little slasher movie. And John Allen Nelson, Larry Poindexter, and Bruce McGill. All right. So this, as I mentioned above, it aired as a two-hour special. And then when the series ran proper as a two-part episode. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun way to kick things off. I I, I always enjoy going back and watching a pilot episode after you've seen the entire series because mm-hmm. you just 
it's so funny how much changes and, you know, what they thought in the pilot was going to be like, this is the way, and this is how it's going to be. And then they were, you know, completely, something completely changes, right? you know, whether it's, whether it's the, you know, adding the noise that Ziggy makes or just, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's just a slew of things where, where you go from episode one to later on and you're like, man, this is, it's almost like a different show, you know, in, in several right. regards. Right. So. Yeah. And different, like different times too. Like it's not unlike, a lot of pilots, and this has been true over over time, especially with sitcoms, they tend to be on move at a rapid pace and fly out the gate, like moving quick, 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 quick. Like with the sitcom, it's let's throw as many of our style of jokes out there as possible. And it's like, geez, and they might, they usually pilots can be terrible. So that's why you should give something a little bit to settle in, like five, six episodes, maybe a short season. But this one takes its time. And I'm not complaining. I, I'm just saying, like, I was surprised at the restraint with it. It takes a while for Al and Sam to really connect and then figure out who Al is, which yes. today that would have been boom. You're right. Yes. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's definitely a product of its time where they, they allowed the the viewers to mm-hmm. be as confused as Sam obviously right. felt. You know, yeah, this it's definitely we're in a we're in a, you know, an era now where things have to be explained up front and very plainly so that no one misses anything. Yeah. But this is yeah, this was definitely not the case for Genesis. It was, you know, the first third of this of the, of this episode was was very you know what's going on you know we're just as in the dark as sam is then some strange dude starts appearing and 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 to top it all off you do have that that little bit of, of like true science fiction at the beginning when mm-hmm. when uh, al is driving his car and he meets the robotic ish lady with the with the crazy light yes. up earrings and you know this show is shot in, in in 1989 and they're apparently this futuristic part was set in the distant future of 1995 you know 6 years later yes. so Right. Yeah. And I always love those futures because it's always like that's the future of what 1989 thinks is the future. Just like Back to the Future with 1985 to 2A15. That's what, you know, that future would look like. It's not, you know, it's never accurate, but it is somewhat neat. It's it's far out there enough, but restrained, too. And I don't know if that's a budget thing or not, but that's kind of kind of fun. And yeah, we get to see the quantum. It's just smoke coming out of a grate, and he's in his white suit, which you've seen plenty of times before. Right, think of what an leader. iconic shot, yes. Definitely, and that's how we get to the future. Like The restraint the show has to keep you in Sam's perspective is admirable, and that's through the series. I'm going to, you know, like I know we do go and see what the future looks like a couple times, but for the most part, you're in Sam, and you only see the future when you're in Sam's shoes. You never see it for the most part when it's in owls and they, this is a really interesting what they have going on with Sam. We're in his place. We have his voiceover, which might be the weakest part of the episode. And it's not Bacula's fault. I think some of the dialogues a little, a little just like, well, we need to put something here kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, narrating for narration's sake, I think. Yeah. Right. It's probably. Yeah. Yeah. It, but you have him figuring out himself, trying to interact with the people of this air base you know, with his family and then with Al, he's got like Scott Bakula throughout this series is just, you know, flat out phenomenal. And it, right from the jump, like he is able to handle all this, like no actor was given as much to play with during this time, probably than Scott Bakula. It's, it's reminiscent of Tatiana Maslany on Orphan Black, where every sure. week she had to play like 
a ton of parts going through different arcs and being different personalities. He's a different person trying to be a different person with different people every week. It's, I mean, it's probably a dream for an actor to get to be on one show but get so much range. And a lot of right. a lot of them leave shows because, you know, I want to do something else. This would keep someone right there. Definitely, yeah, definitely, and I, and I know that you know between Scott and uh, and and Dean Stockwell, obviously, that's kind of I think the, another unique draw of the series that really helped it probably propel through its five seasons is that really besides those two and maybe you know the assorted you know returning star, mm-hmm. the, the the cast just changed for every episode. The cast yeah. was completely different, so you re- you literally couldn't get bored with the show because you know uh, other than the the brief snippet at the end, you you never knew what was coming next week, and right. I, I, I think that's a great that's a great hook, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of got that Doctor Who factor of why do you like that? Well, because it could be anything. Like next, right. time, granted, it's confined in Sam's history, but still can be anything. And who knows what he's going to be next? And Dean Stockwell, props to him. He only gets to act with Sam. He gets to look <laughs> around and comment about things going on. But really, Scott Bakula is his only person to bounce off of really it's a very intriguing thing and like you were talking earlier about about budget constraints you know and things like that it made me wonder how much of the full premise of the show was really the brainchild of donald belisario in terms of you know did he initially say well you know this is sam's a scientist and he can travel anywhere you know anywhere Mm -hmm. in space and time and then maybe the for you know maybe the executives were like oh you know we can't we can't afford dinosaurs we can't afford spaceships and then maybe donald said well okay let's maybe just in his own time then you know to try to <laughs> confine it to a few decades <laughs> yes so we didn't go too crazy on the sci-fi factor i don't know if that's the case right. but it certainly feels like a budget you know somewhere along the line a money counter was like oh you know let's let's keep this you know relatively easy sci-fi here right so, and yeah, I wonder what his like goal in like education was too, because you get a whole pop cult, you get pop culture lessons, historical figures. You learn about this like like here, you learn about like airbase, what it was like to live on one of those. It's horrifying. Like I was surprised <laughs> that they wanted to show just how horrific it would be. These guys just basically dummies. Like oh well, you're not even going on missions. You're just testing something that could kill you to maybe be used later. And they they really show the horrors of the family. And I'm like like. I was surprised they didn't go because this is in the the eighties, the Reagan eighties. This is George. Well, this is George H. W. Bush's end of it. But like, this is a rah rah America looking at like troops and stuff like this with fear is just interesting to put on primetime television. Yeah, yeah. I think they even said in the episode that the, that 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 uh, these group of men were doing this because literally no one else was dumb enough to step right. in this rocket and you know essentially put their lives on the line and. And I found it interesting, too, that almost all of their wives who were with them on the base, mm-hmm. almost all of them seemed pregnant at that same time. It's like, right. well, these guys, they don't have anything else to do, apparently, than fly and and hook up with the wife, you know? So keep, keep uh, making new little soldiers is what they're yeah, trying to do. Yeah, that's family planning. For- <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. And the camaraderie of the the guys and everything that works really well in the wives and i like his relationship with jennifer runyon's character how she's she's confused by it but she's not like just going off the chain or anything like that and he he's just delivers such empathy everywhere around and trying to figure this out and the effects of you know him looking in the mirror and stuff that's really neat with her i like their relationship a lot and he's seeing her as like a, a friend more though so than just trying to develop any sort of romantic thing he's trying to you know there's the scene with the dancing but they you can sell their husband and wife on a deeper level than just hooking up and stuff like that like he's yeah and that, and that was always one of the biggest draws for me from from episode to episode was that sam had to ride that line of trying to involve himself in the mm-hmm. lives of the people that he leapt into 
but not so much that he, you know, made things weird or, you know, you could tell, especially in this episode, that he didn't want to do anything or say anything that when Tom came back to his body and Sam left that would, you know, irrevocably hurt or injure Tom's life and his relationship. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a a very interesting dynamic to throw in there with all the sci-fi stuff too. Yeah. And with the the leaping for people don't watch it or whatever, but like when Sam leaps into someone, that person goes to Sam's present and is in like a waiting room or something or their, their essence or something is there. And that's when they can talk to them a little bit, but they they also that's probably where Sam gets the he gets he's given a memory test by his superiors and that's probably where they get the answers because he gets it all right before he can go fly. I do think wasn't so they changed kind of the ending of this in the two part version, don't they? He doesn't fly the Mach three. He decides not to go to help the wife. Is that how they restructured it? So they um, when when I just recently rewatched it, uh, okay. uh, it, it was on the NBC app, and then they actually did have it created as the two parter. It, it, it literally stopped halfway through with the two be continued and all that. So the way that they did it is actually, yeah, he was in the X two, he did fly. Al was helping him, obviously, okay. and they were you know guiding it's just him. Just a weird him. effect, him standing still. Yes, and literally, like, yeah, that looks, <laughs> looks kind of being out. Yes, well, that was and 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 you could tell as a quick sidebar, you could tell that that was like their biggest budget thing was like Al walking through things oh, yeah. because every time he did it, it. you get that bing bong 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 music where it was like, yep. we get it. You know, it's, it's, it's science fiction. He's walking through stuff. You don't have <laughs> to play this, the strange music every single time he does it. But, but yeah, no, he did. He, he flew the X2. He, he, he got Mach 3. He, then he, then he ejected. Mm-hmm. And actually when, when they hit Mach 3, it, it, it produced an additional sonic boom. And that's what, freaked out Peggy and sent her into premature labor in the original timeline, I guess, you know, Tom actually, you know, perishes in that. And then, you know, Peggy is, you know, distraught and loses the baby, I think is what they said. So, but yeah, because Sam was able to catch it and, you know, achieve it and then eject, he was able to not only get to the hospital for the birth Mm -hmm. because he was Sam, he had the medical knowledge inside of him to essentially tell them how to stop the premature labor, which was a right. process that didn't exist at that time. So, so it's a very interesting, you know, one of those time paradoxes that, you know, if he's, if he's not there as Sam Beckett, the child is not saved. So yeah, yeah it's an interesting dynamic like that for sure. From there. Yeah. Once he gets that figured out there, we're at the baseball game and that's a rather fun, like it's a long time between, because like, I, I believe they're going to the bottom of the ninth when it starts, but I think that yes. t- team he's on, down a lot and they're rallying and i guess you know there's probably like four pitching changes during that but he has that call with he calls his dad and he has a nice conversation with him that ends kind of weird because they they make the choice to have uh, when they hang up the phone on each other they show the dad and then young sam comes in and they decide to dub scott bacula's voice (laughs) on the kid and i was like that's Bacula didn't even try like it like try to you know sound like your teenage self or something you yeah. know but it was it was just scott Bacula yeah. talking as a teenager so whatever yeah it's just like oh that's that's odd oh yeah but i did like that he doesn't they try to pull the natural on it but he strikes out and then you know gets the cheapest home run possibly yes ever. several several errors yes uh yeah. you know the other team pretty much didn't didn't want to win at that point it seems like but uh yeah, and this might this might go down too. You may remind me because you you've reviewed the entire series more a little bit more so than I have recently. Mm-hmm. But this may go down as the shortest on screen 
one of the shortest on-screen leaps because he leaps into yet another body before the end of the episode yeah. to establish that, oh, what's next? You tune in next week to find out type of scenario. Right, yeah. I know there is one one episode late down the line where he leaps through like three different people throughout the story, but I think it might be a multi-part part story too. I think it's the when he it, in the Lee Harvey Oswald one, I think he leaps into multiple people during that. But Foggy, you leap heads <laughs> listening to this, go ahead, bicker. Write me hate we'll mail. Get we'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. It's a ways away, but we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, I like that ending, and it's a heroic but not heroic type finish, which is which is really nice. It shows his confidence isn't always like what you think it's going to end up being. Yeah, it's so interesting because they took the time in Genesis to establish, you know, when when Al was working with Ziggy and Gucci, and you know, the trying to figure out why he leaved and why he can't leave, and you know, he has to. You know, he has to correct some, some some great error in history. And this one in the baseball is just that the just that the dude didn't get his proper glory at the end of his right. career. Like that doesn't seem that history should be, you know, earth shaking type of type of change to yeah. me. But what do I know? So but one one little change could ch- I mean, he could have inspired some kid out in the field You're right. watching. You're you never right. know. You never know. You kill a f- you kill the wrong fly and then phew, hostile takeover. Well, and- but Right. And, and that's what shows that it doesn't necessarily go too heavy into sci-fi, at least here early on, because they never really initially in these first few episodes, they didn't address the glaring question of if Sam is back fiddling around with history, mm-hmm. what's he what's he coming back to? Will he come back right. to an altered history? Will he come back to things changed around him? I don't think they they certainly didn't dive into it in this first episode. So mm-hmm. kind of saying staying light on that on that particular mm-hmm. I mean, time paradoxes are never easy to talk about no matter right. which way you go. So. Yeah, the the best explanation is always timey-wimey. Um, That's right. But, but they, you know, and I think it's an era where that wasn't important, you know, like sure. to most viewers. I, I mean, Like, you know, the hardcores might dig at it as much as they can but the the point of the show isn't that i think that's part of that's part of part of its goal but it is a interesting point to bring up but i think like the the goal is just to tell a historical story and move on to you know these next ones without thinking but nowadays you get people in show running capabilities that do go five steps ahead and stuff like well this was this this was obviously pre internet message boards where right. where where the nerds could gather in their dark corner and you know discuss or you know where scott bacula wasn't showing up at comic-con and people weren't questioning him on on what yeah. his character did you know so i mean donald belisario came from creating battlestar galactica which is mm-hmm. not known for uh, adhering firmly to the laws of space-time physics and you know things of that nature so right no back deal. then it was like just make an entertaining hour of television and then we'll go on to the next one like right. that's, that's sure it. and i mean he's done you know he did magnum pi which that just you know the procedural format was the format back then, and yep. you be, you get lucky when you get something like Quantum Leap that feels serialized, but it's really procedural, <laughs> a right. procedural anthology. But it's it's definitely definitely a product of the time, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah I appreciate the the serial type of format with a with with enough of a string to keep people mm-hmm. tuning in from week to week, but also not stopping you from if you miss three weeks, you're not right. going to be like where the where the heck is Sam now because that's that's the riff, right? Where is he now? That's what, that's what you tune yeah. in for every week. You're not confused. You're excited about it. Yeah, and they would re-edit these episodes for syndication. So they would all, in syndication, these will have 
a lot of times. Now we have the proper broadcast formats, and that's what people want. But in syndication, they re-edit. They put the intro for like season four in front of all of them. They would change where he leapt to at the end, like fitting the package that they sold. And it was really interesting what they would would do with this show. But like episodes that didn't have the classic what I remember is the better intro with the female narration and everything would get that would get tacked onto like this one or that one and then you know he would leap into like a season three episode from a season four you know like it's uh just interesting what they do with it but we're in the broadcast versions in order for this pretty much but very interesting the the only other thing that i always uh as as i was doing my rewatch that i Mm -hmm. found very interesting that i'm i'm positive that i didn't catch the first time through or subsequent times through mm-hmm. is at the, at the very beginning when there's, when, when Gucci is saying, you know, Sam's in the chamber, Sam's in the chamber. And then they show the iconic shot with the, with the air and, and they kind of zoom in, they get close enough to Bacula's face where you can see his expression. Mm-hmm. And to me, it almost looked like, like it, it wasn't like, I mean, it was almost like maniacal. I, I'm, I'm thinking he tried <laughs> to play, play Beckett a certain way at that yeah. point. It almost looked like, you know, because obviously we find out that, you know, he he did it without, you know, the proper authorization and he he knew that the project was going to get shut down if he didn't just test it on himself or yeah. whatever. So, but I mean, he had this almost like a mad scientist type of look there for a second. I'm right, like, yeah. I don't remember this part, but, uh, you know, I don't think they play into that too much, but it was an interesting open to, yeah. to kind of see that and be like, oh, who is Sam Beckett, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was filmed like, well away from whatever production was going on there, maybe even before, and then they waited a couple, maybe during like the, they probably made like a little test reel that could have came from that and then things changed. Yeah, that's interesting. Sure. Well, that's there's, just another thing that, you know, one of those pilot things where where, where, where things change throughout the series, it, it right. definitely could have been an initial note, like Sam Beckett is going to be, you know, this like almost not, not evil mastermind, but he's going to have his own agenda. And I think they, they, they backed off of that fairly quickly. If, if that was a route they were thinking about going. Right. And I, Sparked to me when talking about how it looked and stuff. This show was constantly nominated and winning for its cinematography, and it's quite easy right away to see that from here. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this looks it's shot on film. It just never boring to look at, and it's just yeah, really interesting. You got good sets and costume too from people, but um, yeah. it just it has a sense of importance to just looking at it without yeah. being like pretentious or anything. It's just right. like really well shot production so yeah I, I believe that genesis itself i believe this episode was was nominated for 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 cinematography yeah, yeah so, I think so yeah yeah. Right, yeah yeah so right out of the gate they were they were there yeah that just and it hold it holds through on uh i mean they usually keep a production crew and usually d- directors shuffle in and out and <laughs> that's what happens all right well, okay. Uh, that'll do it for today. I think we've made right where other conversations about Quantum Leap once went wrong. So, Tony, tell people where they can leap to to find your work. Oh, well, you can, of course, find me at uh, sciencefiction.com where I'm uh, producing a lot of the content. You know, we, we try to do different things every week. We have, you know, weekly features like uh, New Comics Spotlights, Throwback Thursday, where we try to focus on old things. You know, every Friday we have columns called Science Faction, where we talk about the, you know, the most interesting science facts of the week and things like that. We're just about to launch a new post on, I believe it's going to run on Mondays, and it's called, the, the feature is going to be called Internal Debate, and it's going to be literally me writing about both sides of an argument, just just for the oh. heck of it. So, you know, for for example, did the WandaVision season finale satisfy the hardcore Marvel viewer, you know, on one hand, and I'm going to say why it did. And then on the other hand, I'm going to say why it didn't, you know, just kind of just to make both essentially kind of argue with myself for a while. So your own devil's advocate. (laughs) That's right. So, so you can catch me all the time on sciencefiction.com. 
People can also visit my website at tonyshob.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Tony Schaub, Instagram, Tony Schaub. I'm still on MySpace probably. So come find me wherever you want and we can talk about whatever, anytime. All right. Excellent. And you had a nice piece. I think it was, was it last week we had the Planet of the Vampires piece? Yeah. Yeah. That was last week's Throwback Thursday, back to Planet of the Vampires. Uh, yeah. So that's, I, I enjoy Throwback Thursday because I've, I've written about everything from from movies in the 60s to movies in the 90s. To, I did I did one a couple of years ago on just just about pogs just for the hell of it. You know, I mean, so, so yeah, I'll, like I said, literally, I'll talk about anything, anytime. <laughs> All right. Excellent. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at Why So Blue. There's more from the Brandon Peters Show this week, but from Old Space. Oh, boy. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.